Appetite for Distortion, episode number 418. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Aaron North. How are you, sir? I'm I'm good. I'm good. You're good? I am good. Yeah. I appreciate, because those of us who are watching on YouTube, you, you did the wave. But yes, yeah. <laughs> for I'm also on all the podcast platforms as well. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, where... If you are watching on YouTube, can I ask uh, where are you communicating from today? Is it a secret location? No, nothing, nothing secret about it. I live in Los Angeles, living, still living in Los Angeles, living in Hollywood, you know. Um, yeah, in the crazy neighborhood right off Santa Monica. Okay. And, uh, yeah. It's strange yeah. because we were talking before um, we started recording. You are asking where I'm from, and... If you can't tell anyone, I'm from New York from my accent. And while I've done some traveling in my life, nowhere near like my wife has, she's actually, she's coming back from Seattle this past weekend. She took my four-month-year-old son, four-month-year-old, four-month-old son <laughs> uh, with her, not really thinking she was going to bring him to the show to see Dave Matthews. She had her sister there to watch him. But just one day, like, oh, he's behaving. It's okay. Brought him like down to the lawn seats. He had the big headphones on. So his first concert, uh, Dave Matthews. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. I, I could have brought. Him, well, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm upset because I could have brought him the Guns N' Roses last month or Metallica the month before. But so did you see you see the Metallica show with the, that just came through? Yeah. Did you see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you think? I liked it. It was my first time seeing them in 20 years, and wow. I only went to one of the two nights. Because uh, I wanted to see Pantera, but I didn't want to spend a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they were they were great. I mean, I had a yeah. I had a fantastic time. And just to yeah. think back, Aaron, I don't know if you because uh, where you were in your time in your life uh, at, at the early '90s, but just Metallica and GNR would play no. the same night. <laughs> I oh, just can't yeah. imagine that. Yeah, no. Like, uh, well, I'm I'm 44 years old, and. Uh, Metallica and Guns N' Roses were like the Beatles and the Stones to me, you know, like they were the bands, they were the first bands where I knew every guy's name in the band, you know, and um, and maybe it's a lot growing up in LA, uh, it's, I'm sure similar in the New York uh, area, tri-state areas, where it's similar experience where, um, you know, there's, there's, only, there's only a handful of places in, I mean, even earlier than the the early 90s like late 80s early 90s where uh you could you had access to that kind of stuff uh and i'm talking about because of radio and things like that right like mm-hmm. uh where uh it, it yeah it was uh it was it was it was part of the culture if you were into music whatsoever and stuff like that yeah so it was inescapable and they were uh they were the best that for rock and roll and metal. They were the best. They were the best. There was a reason why they're the most 
popular bands they were the they were some of the best bands yeah i think i just hit the the cutoff because i'm gonna be 40 on friday when i put this out so i have brothers are all four years apart so the four years makes a difference where i just yeah. missed the the cutoff but i want to um mention and then a couple episodes i did mention i read a letter an email that i got because um, I always encourage listeners from all over. So there are list- I have listeners in L.A., Seattle, Australia, kind of all over. To I want them to participate because there are GNR fans everywhere. There are Nine Inch Nails fans everywhere. I'm yeah. lucky that they listen to my little show here. So I always encourage participation. There are my producers. Yeah. So I, I'll reread this, and I did offer him the co-hosting opportunity uh, today, but he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't make it. This is from Adam Kale. I don't think any oh, relation shit. to the food. Um, right. Hold on. I'm having a. Okay. Wait. Did I sign out accidentally or something? No. Shit. I can. I can okay. hear you. Okay. I have. I'm having weird pops. Sorry. That's. No. That's all right. This happens during the. It's like a. I'll, it's. I treat it even though it's pre-recorded. It's like rock and roll. Shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. You got What are you getting? Like pop-ups or something? Yeah, I'm just getting weird pop-ups. Things telling me that I, I'm, I'm good now. I'm good. Uh, okay, yeah. all good. So I got this. I got this sunlight. Yeah. Do you need to? Face. Do you need to move a little yeah. bit? You know what? <laughs> I, pro- I didn't think I was gonna have to, but like this just happened within the last second now, and I think I'm gonna have to. Is yeah. it okay if I? Yeah. No, I like this. This is a uh, a mobile interactive interview. So like, where do you need to move, or do you need? I'm a... gonna have to move. Here, I'll just shift this way. Sorry, everybody. No, I, I I like this. What's behind you? You have a lot of books. Oh yeah, big reader. Uh, uh no, <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of books with pictures though. You know, I like There's, it. Uh, <laughs> Same some here. some box sets and stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a here's a Guns and Roses box set there, and some Metallica box sets and stuff. Oh, I like it. All right. Is this better? Sorry about that. Yeah, I think it's better for you so the sun's not directly into your eyeballs. So it doesn't look Sorry like you're, about that. You're, you're squinting and you're just like questioning everything I'm saying just by squinting because of the light. Yeah. You're not doing Sorry that. Sorry about that. All good. So, and, and believe me, I'll do something weird. The flight will mm. fall on me. The cats will jump on me during the interview. This is how I prepare. As I mentioned yeah. before, sometimes I have a baby on me. He sometimes cries. Things happen during an interview. So uh, to go back to, uh, so my listeners, some reason they like all the chaos of the podcast. They like the GNR theme. Uh, so this is from Adam Kale. And what's amazing is I still get new listeners. Like that's, you know, awesome. It's not just like five GNR fans. <laughs> it keeps growing. Yeah. So cool. this is from Adam. I recently stumbled upon your podcast by the way of your Sean Bevan interview. Somebody you may know. I don't, was there, you guys work at the Big, same time? Nine Inch Nails? Um, was there an old No. Guy? Okay. No, but, uh, uh, yeah, like, he's one of those guys that was around, was he, was he, he's like Chinese democracy, yeah. I want to say, like, over there in Santa Monica, in that, in that little facility they had over there. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, oh, shit, man. That whole era with. <laughs> There's there's nothing like that now that the music industry has collapsed, and uh, it, you know all the the old levels of opulence or uh, the grandiose rock and roll stuff where yeah like where you've got a 
the idea that Guns N' Roses was just in this warehouse with pinball machines and and 40 crew dudes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was, uh, even though they weren't really active or doing anything, uh, it was interesting. It, living in L.A. at the time and having, um, I guess, uh, friends of or acquaintances who were involved in, and he's not a guy that I, I met personally, but I, I, I heard he was uh, over there for some of that crazy. I mean, a lot of people that I don't think that I think people might even forget about being involved at that time were involved, right? Like, <laughs> like B Billy Howard was over there, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know Billy was over there and yeah, a lot of the nails. Josh uh, Freeze, of, right? Yeah, yeah, Josh and then and that, yeah, that would have been when, when uh, what Tommy Stinson and all those guys were. And your, you pre and your predecessor, Robin Fink in Nine Inch Nails. So that's why yeah. it's all perfect. And uh, I, yeah. I, I swear, I'll just I'll, I'll shut up and let you go through after I get to this no, email. No. And you're kind of answering why you're perfect a guest on the hmm. show, because I call it a six degrees of G and R bacon. You know, you don't yeah, have yeah. to be in Guns N' Roses to be a guest. So yeah. he writes, you often speak with people outside the, the guns camp and appreciation uh, and their appreciation for guns, which you've already shown. Uh, and one that you may not have considered on your radar before, which is true, and I apologize, Aaron, is mm. you, Aaron North. Uh, North is the former guitarist for the infamous Anchorus Line, and he replaced Robin yeah, Fink when Fink left nine for, for GNR. North is a huge guns fan and bursting with tons of guns lore. Grew up in L.A. and is, is an unbelievable encyclopedia of rock and roll knowledge. You're already showing it. <laughs> so I just wanted to give a shout-out to Adam and why you're – one of the reasons why you're a guest on the, this show because you're showing it, a GNR fan, and you have that six degrees of, of connection. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit, yeah. Yeah, I'm a – I've never had any – I've had Axel or his camp – send me cease and desist this is back in 20 years ago um when i had my own record label and it was this uh website and stuff where we would um put up music reviews and it, buddy head right yeah yeah um and it i i don't think i think what kind of got lost um on the guns and roses people at the time was that where I was coming from or where we were coming from was from the place of people who were huge fans, right? Like, um, I think they maybe Axel and friends, uh, maybe didn't, they didn't, they didn't take it that way sometimes. And they were kind of felt like we were just, uh, trying to make fun of them all the time or something like that. Well, but, what, just, what were you writing about? Was this during the Chinese era and just speculation or would you well, remember anything specific? Yeah, well, yeah, lots of specific stuff, but uh, at the time, uh, yeah, that 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 was kind of uh, in the late '90s, going into the early aughts. Uh, that was the beginning of uh, fuck. How do, it was just it, it was a different world that I don't think maybe a lot of the older bands or people involved kind of understood the. That that the having control, what, like how do I how do I even fucking the idea of having control over uh, information or all the song, for example, uh, I've I had all those Chinese democracy songs, 
yeah, it, the late 90, 20 years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it was just because, not because of us doing anything nefarious on our end, but people would give it to us, send it to us, volunteer stuff to us um, all the time. Um, and, uh, and then just, or it would be someone would get fired maybe from in that camp or over there, their little complex, and maybe because they were mad at someone, they would, oh, I know, I'll give the stuff to the buddy head guys and they'll know. We never, yeah, but yeah, what I don't think the the Guns N' Roses camp uh, realized was that we weren't uh, spreading it though. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, I, I've, I've still got somewhere on a hard drive up there. Yeah, like every one of those songs, eight different mixes of every one of those songs, right? Where it's like a the Axel guitar version or the, Dave Navarro guitar version or, you know, bucket face or bumblehead or whoever the fuck it is. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, I want to say sometime before that, uh, I saw that you had had him on the show. That guy, Gary sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually had, so in the early aughts, yeah, the, I was in this, in that band, the Icarus line, and when we got signed to a major label, I actually had like a moment of like uh, punk rock guilt, I guess you could call it, where uh, it was like, you know, I felt like, oh, I made, you know, we made it or whatever, and I'm on a major label. Maybe I should uh, figure out how to play guitar better, or something, you know. <laughs> and a friend, uh, I didn't know Gary, but a friend um, said, oh, you should, you should go. Uh, you, you should go uh, get a get guitar lessons from this guy, Gary Sunshine. Mm. And it's the only time in my life where I ever did anything like that. Or uh, it's ridiculous. But and as soon as I got to his place, uh, yeah, I, I, even before I even played a single note or even picked up the guitar, I was just like, oh, this is not some. I don't want to do this anymore. You know. And it also then somewhere in there before I played a note too, it came up that he was. Axel's guitar teacher, right? right? So, which was intriguing, and then uh, from there it went on to that he was talking about how he was playing on some of the stuff. So, I ended up we ended up just like listening to all these Guns and Roses songs, right? Hmm. Um, and then I want to say I went back another time or two, and I never, I, I never even picked up a guitar the entire time. We just listened to the Guns and Roses song. Oh wow! And uh, talked about that stuff. Um, yeah. And that, that I want to say like, even then it was like some of those songs then were even ones that I hear what those last handful of singles that they've put out or whatever, mm-hmm. including those songs too. It's like, wow. yeah, there was a, where there was a lot of, a lot of stuff, um, and, and nine different mixes of everything and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, and, and also like, uh, I, th- you know, I think, I think maybe the Guns N' Roses can't. I, I, admittedly, like we did. Well, shit. There's, I, as a Guns N' Roses fan, you know, I, 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 I'm, yeah, I miss in a way, or I missed at that time, the, the lineup that or the people involved that I felt brought the best um in that situation which to me uh 
first and foremost is Izzy Stradlin, right? Like, and I felt like huh, as a fan, I was, I, you know, not mad about it. I don't give a shit. I don't, you know, got a dog in the race or anything, but it's, I, you know, it was interesting at that time to kind of see, well, how are they going to do this without Izzy's songs? Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, uh, I think they kind of took maybe some of that. I, I wouldn't say criticism, but just like they, it, I could see how they, or the Axel crew took it as us talking shit or whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's your opinion. It's just my opinion. And right? like, it's, I mean, it's like your favorite character leaving a TV show. You know, it's uh, in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, there's still people, you know, I've made some uh, some memes lately sharing on social media being like Izzy's never coming back. You know, I'm sorry to appreciate where we are now, but I, I do hear what you're saying as somebody who never experienced that. You know, I kind of yeah. feel slighted in that way but at the same time it doesn't mean i don't support other versions of the band or the current version that could all yeah. be true so yeah. uh, i hear what no, you're like, saying like yeah i've i've heard all the uh you know this these are the conversations you have with your friends right you know when you're whatever and you're you're, you're talking shit and you're throwing it back and forth or whatever it's like um that's why yeah, it's funny it you're doing this with gary sunshine who yeah. ended up being on uh, oh my god with yeah. Dave Navarro and the um, yeah the guitar teacher of Axel and by the way if you need it's it's so funny if you it's like watching a ball game when it's right. sunny and it's just slowly the light goes over the, yeah. the the so if you need to keep swirling <laughs> moving around the, the desk I, I want you to be comfortable <laughs> during, so are you a Mets fan or a Yankees fan I'm a Yankees fan gotcha this, gotcha. this year is this might be the first year they are. Um, that might be finishing last place and under uh, first losing season since I was nine, maybe. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of, uh, kind yeah, of... no, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying every, every, every minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, where, cause you're in LA. Like, are you a Dodgers fan? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Born and bred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm born and raised LA. Uh, yeah. From Redondo beach originally. Okay. Fair enough. My, my yeah. grandfather, before he passed away, he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. And even yes. though they moved quite a while uh, for quite some time, he still rooted against the Yankees. So, <laughs> yeah, he ended up yeah. having four grandsons that were Yankee fans. So that sucked. Yeah, for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Sorry to to change the. Uh... No, that's that's. I, I ended up changing it because I'm I'm seeing the light in your eyes, and I, you're my guest. Yeah, you're a guest in my Zoom house, so I want you to be comfortable. Uh, yeah. But but that's cool. So do you remember? And I want to get into how it, it segues into how you got into guitar, like where you were when you first heard Guns N' Roses, and did that impact you as a, a young player, or was it just a, a band that you enjoyed, I guess, going back? Um, oh, well, yeah, how was, did your st- story start a little bit, and were they involved in that at all? Uh, yeah, like, like I was, Guns N' Roses was, um, them and Metallica were the first bands that, yeah, where I, I knew every band members name um and i knew all the words to the songs and i was a super fan um i remember uh yeah i was i was eight years old when appetite came out Hmm. um i know maybe for the rest of the country or maybe for the rest of the world 
that record might have been like a slower burn where maybe it right. didn't really hit with the mainstream until Sweet Child of Mine. But in L.A., no, it was from the jump. Welcome to the Jungle video and all that kind of it was already it was it was a big deal mm. that um, that record was a big deal. And uh, uh, and then the through the years with with that band, I was doing uh the Icarus line for years and years the idea of a two guitar band and how it sounded and he put like the sound of appetite where slash is on hard pan to the right mm -hmm. izzy's hard pan to the left for the entire song and then if there's a solo you know it it comes up the middle it's like uh uh the Acres line didn't have the thing up the middle, but yeah, it was that similar idea, the idea of the the weaving of the guitars. How, but like Guns N' Roses and like I didn't make me want to play music though. You know, it's like, it seemed, uh, still seemed like something that was, uh, yeah, really far away or, or, you know, for maybe I was too young or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, like that, I remember the, the Paradise City video, for example, where it was like the idea that like, the whole video is basically like, oh, you know, we're just like, this is what it's like, the life of a fucking rocker guy. You know, we just fucking hang out all day, <laughs> hang out in New York and go to music stores. Oh, and then we got to go play fucking, you know, the Enorma Dome or whatever it, that <laughs> night, you know, and like, it's just looked uh, ridiculous, right? Or, or or cool or whatever. But it was, uh, it wasn't until, uh, you know, I started getting to my teens and stuff and, and when I got into punk and hardcore and that kind of things when it occurred to me that um music was something that i could be uh involved in you know like uh punk made it more attainable i guess i hate to say it like that because i'm a i'm a punk fan yeah. uh but yeah you're not it's it's not the same musically as like a right. blues-based hard rock band and that's again an opinion and and it's I, I I mean Guns N' Roses involves punk, so obviously you have to be kind of a, a fan of punk if you like GNR. Uh, yeah, like like uh, the Guns N' Roses, it kind of like, and again, a lot of it's because of the the age I was at the time. But it just it seemed like to me like like I, there's no fucking way I could do with those guys. You know, like I, I couldn't be some dude that played an instrument like that or sang you know like that or anything like that you know it was just like uh i, I was a fan but it wasn't anything that i myself was going to be involved in. and honestly like part of it too maybe if you, when you get into things like like that don't like don't cry the don't cry video for example i think of where it's like uh, in all honesty that that lifestyle just didn't seem that appealing to me you know like mm -hmm. like in, like think about the don't think about the don't cry video where the entire video is uh based on the members of the band hanging out with their girlfriends or whatever who they're not really getting along with right like duff's like got a girlfriend who throws a glass at him and it breaks on his base slash has a girlfriend who's screaming in his face while he's driving his car that makes the car go off the cliff. axel's hanging out with a chick that hang hit some other right it's just like the the whole thing just was like that maybe that seems glamorous to some people but like it just seemed fucking dumb to me <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't seem very appealing like why like uh that's just me you know it's just uh so maybe that was part of it too okay. but uh 
You want more like the bare bones, kind of what punk rock is, and just straight no, in your face and not so I just, bloated? It, no, it was like, it just seemed like, uh, I don't know, it's like, uh, it was cool, but it just, it, 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 part of the, part of the culture shifted too by the, by the time Don't Cry, you know, by the time Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out, uh, that, like, that was the same year, yeah, like the Black Album came out and Nirvana Nevermind and stuff. And as far as like, young teenage kids like me in Southern California, not as much for during Don't Cry, but like around that time, it's it's sad, but in ways, but it, the, the culture kind of abandons Guns N' Roses in a way, but they also abandoned Metallica in a way too, you know, like the um, little thing. Yeah. When, when Axl Rose had his tiff with Nirvana was kind of a, you know, uh, a line in the sand for some people and then after that where it was axel rose having a a tiff with the metallica guys then it was kind of more it was like a, a done deal and by that time it's like those guys had you know axel's on an oil tanker jumping off into the ocean to go swim with dolphins and slashes floating down sunset or <laughs> it was it was a little too spinal tap i think mm. it, and it was uh it was a little too bloated for 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 a lot of people um but uh in hindsight though like i don't have anything against i think yeah like i think um fuck man estranged is probably my might be one of my favorite it's definitely a top three guns and roses song right like i Mm -hmm. i I, musically i think that shit's great you know but uh yeah there was just for whatever reason it just uh I guess it rubbed certain people the wrong way, including me. And uh, but it wasn't it wasn't offensive or anything. It just uh, I still bought the spaghetti incident, you know, when it came out. And uh, yeah, I even went and bought like like I said, even though I had had those Chinese democracy songs, was like yeah, I'd had those songs for years. By the time that record came out, I still wanted to buy it just because it was like I felt like at the time, oh, this is my last chance to buy a. When am I ever going to be able to get, buy a new Guns N' Roses? Right, that's how we all felt at that yeah. time, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. had the leaks off uh, LimeWire, you know, right. waiting. Yeah. The, the stuff that yeah. Mike Piazza, going back to sports, that he he played yeah. on Eddie Trunk's show and uh, yeah. recordings of that. So And like I was, yeah, mm-hmm. like I was saying, no, sorry, not to get it, but like, yeah, like it, it, it did, I didn't offend me, but it, it, it was a bummer when people assumed that all those leaks were coming from me or coming from when I said buddy mm. head and that kind of that that was disappointing because I would never do or we didn't do that we weren't we weren't leaking their record out we weren't putting stuff up on Napster but we were but we were getting a lot of stuff anonymously and not so anonymously and it was what was it like I was not gonna listen to <laughs> so like you would give reviews of oh my well, god the you know remix with like, would you give reviews of that or you just talk about what you're seeing and, and it's so funny because well, we're, we're having this conversation <laughs> today <laughs> with songs <Yeah. laughs> right it's like um, yeah at the time it was like yeah that's over 20 years ago where you know we, I was the music editor you know and I, of a of a website of a music website that was you know did a news slash gossip column on 
what was going on in the music world and rock and roll and stuff. And even though Guns N' Roses at that time, which was what the the Axel and Friends version of Guns N' Roses that some people would call it, uh, and it, and they would from their camp too, I would get things like, why why would you guys talk about? There's nothing to talk about. But you can't tell me that a bunch of people sitting in some fucking massive warehouse uh, with a guy with a chicken coop in the corner and a KFC bucket on his head. And that's really fucking interesting. That's, that's, you know, (laughs) people wanted to hear about that kind of stuff. And it just so happened that, like I said, we knew about what was going on because people were volunteering the information to us and Mm. because of, and that sort of thing. But uh, it wasn't like we were trying to sabotage Axel or those guys' thing, you know? But, yeah, like, even I, I experienced a similar thing, too. It was a few years ago. I posted a yeah. picture of all these leaked songs. No mm-hmm. music attached to it. Yeah. And yeah. I was, like, hit with copyright strikes and uh, who knows yeah. where those came from. But all these yeah. now, a couple years later, yeah, let's keep talking about it. We have official music video for this song that we've been yeah. talking. So I'm curious where you were in your life at that time when you're with Gary Sunshine, when he's <laughs> with Axel, and where are you musically? Are you, uh, you're still with the Icarus line? And So, yeah, so th- that was when, yeah, the Icarus line had just got signed to a major label. Um, we played, I'm trying to think of the timeline of that, because in 2002, we played some shows with Guns N' Roses um, festivals and things like that. We ended up, because the only time I ever saw that version of Guns N' Roses, we got kicked out of the show. Axel had us kicked out of the show. It was in Osaka, Japan. So that was the Summer Sonic Festival 2002. And... uh uh yeah we got kicked out you know um the whole band it, yeah so we played shit that that festival i think we played the night before a couple nights before together say in tokyo or something like that and like me all the other guys in the Icarus line were like me where we grew up massive guns and roses fans and had heard all the stories about what was so we kind of wanted to see it firsthand um and because we were playing at the festival yeah we knew that we we could literally have a front row seat uh so we went and saw the show yeah I think osaka and i want to say at first we were standing there with the guys from hanoi rocks hmm. but that yeah this is so this is this is so long ago but it's kind of uh let me see if i can jump start my memory a little bit yeah michael monroe <laughs> was kind was really he was upset because yeah axel he made them they were supposed to play on the same stage as guns and roses at that festival but axel didn't want they had some sort of beef or something had come up where so they made Hanoi Rock switch to some other stage or something. Anyway, we ended up, uh, when I say I saw th- that version of the band, we were just, we watched them from the the security, you know, the other side of the railing. So I was, I was 10 feet from, you know, the front of the stage. Uh, and it was, you know, to each his own, you know, different strokes for different folks. 
uh, to this day, I've never seen any show like that show or anything remotely like that. It was Spinal Tap meets Scooby Doo. Uh, it was strange. You know, part of it was, yeah, we wanted to see for ourselves. I didn't want to, you know, I, I wanted to see Tommy Stinson play too. I'm a huge, have been huge replacements fan. Um, wanted to see what the whole thing was, but it was everything. You know, it sounds like the type of thing that if I tell the story or, and remember how it happened, it sounds kind of made up. That like, yeah, Guns N' Roses was like an hour and a half, two hours late, right? It was like watching the the entire band show up and waiting for Axel to show up, right? And then it was like at the last minute, you see this van that screams, you know, down the road. And, and there's there's a hundred thousand people or whatever waiting for the you know but you could see this fan and then and then they all get the calls on their walkie-talkies like it's it's happening it's happening right so they all get up on stage and axel jumps out of this uh minivan with his his uh, his little uh yoda lady mm. whatever <laughs> you knew about that okay yeah his uh and uh I stood five feet from that, yeah, from from Bucket Face or whatever his name is. <laughs> there was like five guitar players on stage, and he he just kind of you know he only played the solos. I'd never seen anything like that where they the sound guy basically punched him in or 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 just put the fader up for when that guy played the solos, and then for the rest of the songs he would just kind of kind of pretend to play or whatever. Oh, wow. And, I did the the production, the amount of uh, people on stage, all that kind of stuff. Where it went downhill for us was, uh, well, let me. This I'll tell you one one thing that was the fun, the funniest part to me. The the most Spinal Tap moment was uh, they opened with "Welcome to the Jungle," and Axel came out the so the first thing he said that came out of his mouth he went to the edge of the stage and he said and we're in osaka and he said tokyo fuck right like he realized halfway through that he wasn't in tokyo that was the that was one of the funniest things i've ever seen and then somewhere in there yeah we were we were we were heckling them i guess said not heckling we started just, you know, where's Izzy, all that kind of stuff. And Axel had us removed, you know, <laughs> he, 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 those motherfuckers, get them out of here. So uh, we didn't get to see the whole show, but uh, <laughs> but I think the what kind of occurred to me then is the, is the way I feel about it now, where it's like we were talking about, yeah, the, the types of conversations where yeah, in a perfect world, it would be Steven Adler and Izzy Stradlin and, and it, you know, the, the kinds of the sentiment of like the idea that that overblown having the, the dizzies and fucking Teddy zigzag on harmonica and <laughs> some chick playing laptops, whatever the fuck, you know, it was like um, it, it would it would be great, but it's like that you, how can someone you can't expect someone to sing in key scream in key in falsetto at that age it's it's and and if he can 
if he could do it, it would, it's really hard to fucking do. There's no shame in that stuff, right? It's like mm. the idea at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, if you have Izzy and Steven there, it's, you, that guy still can't sing those songs anymore. No, like he could sing the songs, but uh, how can you expect it? You can't expect a 60 year old guy to to be screaming in falsetto and key. That's just not that's there's no shame in that, man. That's like, dude, that's like you knew that when you were recording those songs in your 20s. It's like this is a this is perishable. This is this isn't going to last forever, mm -hmm. man. Like, so yeah, giving him shit or it's like yeah, it doesn't matter even if Izzy is there or Adler's there and, and it isn't whatever or it is what people want it's it's you can't expect someone to be in their 60s and and singing like that it's 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 and there's no fucking shame in that that's like expecting that's be like asking michael jordan to um join a team in the nba and then just start like mm -hmm. expect him to dunk on lebron or something it's like right. no it's, you know it's like yeah it's that doesn't mean it wouldn't be cool though to see michael jordan you know playing you know playing horse with someone or whatever or screwing around but to expect him to like join a team and and compete and bring a championship or something that's just not gonna fucking happen so yeah luckily their song their songs are so fucking good that yeah with axel even singing the songs half as well is that it's still gonna be cool mm -hmm. right or with with whoever the fuck right playing those songs it's still gonna be because the songs are fucking great right because they're a great band but but for people yeah uh that want it to be some to be 1987 again yeah it's it's just not gonna happen sure and that's certainly been a topic of discussion and i i i had a kind of like a speech in one of the podcasts about it giving my own review when i saw them in jersey a couple weeks ago yeah. and it's like i don't want to lie to myself or my listeners being like yeah there are certain songs it just does not sound great on other songs sound sound great however that did not take away from my enjoyment. I still appreciate it for what it is, and I would not want to replace Axel with AI or some sort of other singer right. that can could hit could sound like the records. I don't want that. Right. Like you gave a good example, I use often as sports. I would love to see Michael Jordan play, but you can't expect him to be the Michael Jordan that used to be. Right. And right. what has happened, which you see certain players adjust when they get older fastball pitchers learn to be smarter in placement so what i did notice he was relying on duff and melissa the one of the keyboard players kind of to help fill up some of the uh the vocals yeah. and which i i think is great i think is yeah. is, is, is absolutely so i guess with all that because you obviously a super fan and i and i fucking love <laughs> it i love it so and what i'm trying to do and I appreciate you going to the, the the nether regions of your memory, trying to think where you were, because as I mentioned before, because you had a, your stint in Nine Inch Nails was from two thousand five, two thousand and seven, and yeah, four. ish, right? yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm going by the uh, the Holy yeah. Grail of Wikipedia, so I mean, I'm <laughs> sure it's not exact. Yeah. But that was a unique time for GNR. And you came in yeah. after Robin Fink left to go. So, and you knew Gary Sunshine. So I'm just curious. I'm sure you would have mentioned it by now. And I guess not after the Where's Izzy thing. You know, if, if they ever reached out to you to be a guitarist or what you thought, uh, a, a band that you loved. And when you heard, like, Oh My God for the first time and hearing them become industrial, you know, that sound. And playing with your your friends i mean i i know you know josh freeze you, 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 yeah. you know billy howardell it's 
it's got to like they were shaping into becoming nine inch nails. So I'm just curious. Yeah. You know well, what your thoughts time, were. In the early aughts, like when I'm talking, yeah, when I was in the Icarus line, it shifted a little bit in that. Yeah, it went from them being this band that I, you know, was a, a massive fan of as a kid to like now my band that is all that is also from Los Angeles that's playing even though we're on the fucking ninth stage out in the parking lot you know it's like i kind of at that you know i was early 20s there was a competition thing too and that way it's like i felt like we fucking could blow those old men off the stage you know it was like or whatever those guys are doing now it's like that's cool but like like check it out like we're you know we're the new shit from la or whatever you know and then a bunch of dudes wearing uh fucking chicken buckets and cornrows and football jerseys was like it was like fuck you you know we're here to fuck you up you know like um and i guess in a certain way i mean yeah i i i, I don't know if i've ever listened to chinese democracy all the way through but i mean you haven't okay i'm sure i have once you know like there's some good i it's a couple good tunes on there but uh the, you know the way i felt was that my band was fucking better you know that's 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 you know that's you have ego and that kind of stuff that age but um yeah there's a couple i like that's that irs song that was cool yeah uh there's that that uh song with the josh freeze riff right that's the i guess that's the chinese democracy song yeah he he came on uh he's been on the show a couple times i don't know if we'll get him on again since he's uh, mr foo fighter now but oh, oh, that's right. He he said that initially it was called "Smells Like Josh Spirit" because yeah, they kind of yeah. had like a Nirvana vibe, and that was before the lyrics and everything. So yeah. I love because that's such a and that's what, even before I got we got into it. Your appreciation for this era is you, you're not alone. You know, actually, yeah. the guy who wrote me the letter to get you on the show says i love chinese democracy that era it's so fascinating whether you love or you hate buckethead you know <laughs> oh right just because it's like yeah like because we're looking at through the lens being our ages uh that rock and roll at least at the time we just thought that rock and roll was gonna be the as big as it was forever we just assumed mm. that uh rock music or whatever the fuck was going to be yeah, the most popular form of music forever and ever that's just wasn't the case right we didn't know that the not only was the music industry going to completely collapse but that yeah hip-hop and pop music and all that kind of stuff uh were gonna become as big as they are now and that that rock music wasn't gonna be uh you know on people's priority or whatever the fuck we're always means, the but, underdog that's fine by yeah. me i don't want to be the most popular you know right. yeah but yeah in hindsight and like i said in hindsight too it's like it's not as of the only reason maybe yeah at the time you got to see it from my point of view like i said was you know i was in a band and it was like it was weird because all of a sudden we were in a strange way contemporaries in a way with this band you know so mm -hmm. as opposed to it being you know these people that we we're in but like i said in hindsight like uh it's still even though it's super weird and like i said there was you know in a live situation there's nine people playing guitar on stage where it's still you look back it's there's nothing else really like that that was going on right, right. it's like it's it's very unique right like is you you say that for it right which is which is fucking cool right like uh yeah so 
no 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 hate whatsoever you know i just yeah oh. like i was just such a fucking fan and you're that, talking like you know, a fan which you're that, should like, be allowed to do right i i just was like you know at the time the way me or bandmates felt was like fuck man i don't whatever it fucking takes get fucking izzy <laughs> and I'll, I'll admit that's kind of how i felt when i heard the last couple those last couple songs that that came out where it's like because i don't even think people i guess that bums me out to a degree that like uh people don't realize how important izzy was to the band right it's like he didn't just kind of write the guy wrote and, and the songs that he wrote he didn't just write the fucking music he wrote the words too like patience he wrote the entire like don't cry i'm sure axel wrote some of it but like he wrote the music and the words for a lot of stuff and then was uh he was mad he was he was he was in my opinion other than axel you know the best songwriter in uh one of the biggest bands in the world and uh yeah it was it was lightning in a bottle and you just kind of wish that they could figure it out right like because uh, fuck man and and the sound too like the, the kind of i was talking shit as soon as they as soon as izzy quit and they had gilby clark right because it's just like fuck man that izzy's guitar parts are just like those fucking songs right when you listen to mr brownstone or it's so easy it's izzy's guitar parts that is the fucking song you know it's like you know you know slash is going bad he's playing chord if you don't have izzy playing that part you know it's it's just not the same right yeah. it's, and i just kind of felt as a fan as soon as he wasn't there and someone else it was like ah uh, you know it was like even though we were already bummed out that popcorn wasn't in the mix anymore you know it's like nothing against uh matt sorm or anything like that but it yeah it uh yeah uh, but uh well <laughs> let me ask you because you I, I love your perception of this. In, in, in addition to a musician, you're a fan. That's kind of how I approach. I, I work in radio, but I'm also a fan. Yeah. So I think that that comes out, and I think that came out comes out in your your live playing, which is why people love watching you uh, play because you're a performer. But I guess with a lot of things that you have gone through in your past, and if people don't know your entire story, they should yeah. go back and, and and look. When you have somebody like Izzy who left the band because of addiction issues and mental health issues. And we've been talking a lot about Axel. And yeah. he has gone on record with some of the issues that he's had and, and abuse. And you look yeah. at who he is now. I guess that's, I want to know your perception because you've spoken about your mental health, how that yeah. uh, led to your departure from Nine Inch Nails. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So how do you look at the choices oh, and them leaving with through that lens of, of mental health and doing what's best for you, I guess, as a person to survive. Because Izzy may be uh, dead if he stayed with GNR. No, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, I have been fortunate enough to be able to play in some incredible bands and to also be able to be in a position where I can fucking quit when I want to and then and then i'll be able to pick it up again when i feel like it. like with the icarus line it wasn't like some band i just played in that was my band and i quit my band which is i'm you know talking about izzy strata i you right. know i can absolutely fucking relate to that where it's like you're not quite you know the singer wants to do a music video yeah like we're like where it's you know uh 
people soloing on top of pianos or in front of churches or you know all that kind of stuff uh and it you're not quite seeing eye. it seems like it's getting bloated or weird or whatever or you're just not just don't like the direction it's going in so you fucking quit you know you take your ball and you go play somewhere else which is exactly what i did in the icarus line right and with nine inch nails it it wasn't as much it was that was always going into that that was that was that's trance band it's a different situation right it's like you're going in and you're playing trance tunes and it's fun but i guess in a similar way yeah like when when I started playing in Nails, the idea, we thought we, it was going to be six weeks. Uh, we thought it was going to be one tour and, and it, I was going to go back to uh, doing whatever, everyone was going to go back to doing whatever they did. It turned into three plus ye- whatever years, um, hundreds and hundreds of shows, which was fun. I had a great fucking time. But when it got to where it wasn't fun for me anymore, yeah, I... I I was able to quit, you know, uh, uh, and I, I, yeah, I had to, I probably, and you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have gone. I shouldn't have done the nails thing. Maybe. I don't know. Like mm. it was so quick. I had maybe two weeks between the Icarus line and nails and I was admit, I was heartbroken about having to quit the Icarus line. It was cause it was, fucking my band you know it's like people that i had known for a decade or whatever it was absolutely traumatizing right but Mm -hmm. uh i probably should have taken a time out then but i jumped straight into the nails thing and uh maybe took a lot of that uh baggage with me on the road you know or Mm. whatever that means you know but uh it's yeah so but yeah, I had with with nails. It was fun because because it wasn't my band. Okay, that's what you know. It's, I could just play guitar. I could just show, that was so. It's fucking fun. It was incredible, right? Like I didn't have to worry about you know what was going on with the label or if we were getting screwed on this or whatever the fuck it was. You didn't you know, go right? into enough... it thinking it was going to be. Well, you mentioned it was only going to be a few weeks, but was there any? Right. Was there any hope? Of making it more than that and, and working with Trent on a musical level and as opposed to just um, performing no be only because yeah there's at that time too it's dude Trent was he was going through a lawsuit with his old manager where it was like everyone including him it was it, it was certain that he was gonna lose that and that this his old manager was gonna get like literally the rights to the band name and the logo and shit right the fact like we were on tour and he would trent would have to be like flying back to new york to go to court like between shows and shit and uh yeah it just didn't seem uh yeah no i the situation didn't seem like it was yeah settled i guess yeah no it just it just yeah it just we were all under the impression at least i was and a lot of the other people were that it was like yeah trent's gonna lose this lawsuit by the time we probably finish this tour he's not we're not even gonna be able to use the nine inch nails logo on the fucking mm. posters and shit because this you know it was that's what the feeling was wow you know? and uh the fact that uh give trent a shitload of credit the fact that he could even 
be at, like that it didn't crush him completely right like because if it was me i probably i don't i wouldn't have handled that as well you know mm. the fact that he was able to do that and be dealing with that kind of stress and all that kind of stuff uh was and still is very impressive to me but uh yeah it didn't seem there was never any yeah the idea of some sort of a future there just wasn't well what about on a friendship level talking to him about stress as you see him dealing with stress you said you were going Mm -hmm. through things did that those kind of conversations ever happened uh or was it more of just okay a a job no like yeah we had fuck man he's a cool guy you know he's he's uh uh we had you know what we had in common was we were and i realize that more of the, as more time goes on uh w- one of the things that we that i had in common with trent was anger and how we kind of used or with music it, it i didn't know how to operate not being angry and kind of similar right where it was like uh and just using the music or as a as an outlet maybe or one way but like yeah just the amount of yeah i I was absolutely very much fueled by a lot of anger and hatred and those kinds of things you know Uh, and i didn't know how to play music not being angry you know Mm -hmm. like uh uh or with that kind of attitude and i guess that's that's something that we had in common um yeah i i uh i had a i had a great time like i I know pe- one thing that people do uh, ask me about when when they ask me about Nine Inch Nails things is kind of like because I know there's all these um, in the 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 way the culture is now people are trying to find some kind of dirt or something on something back then like oh, always not me was, <laughs> I told you before no, no, I, I told you before we aired I was like anything you want me to avoid I don't want to talk no, about no, no, but, <laughs> but that's the thing is like there really is it's like I'm not I, I don't have to cover for any but like there's nothing mm-hmm. there, there was there is no nefarious fucking Trent Reznor nonsense there was nothing like that you know it was like uh, yeah there uh, I, I don't have anything bad to say about anybody there or i had a great fucking time uh yeah like how could you not you know the his songs are killer you know and they're fun to play and and on top it was like it's a how many other bands the the amount of freedom that he gave all of us uh was over the top right because it, for a lot of those songs he was just kind of bored of playing them a certain way hmm. he never never ever I, w- I would change things every night it's like oh i'm gonna completely different parts here and there it never it was always like cool like do what you want to do you know it's like uh he gave that kind of freedom to because he trusted the people who were there but uh yeah i don't have a nothing absolutely nothing bad to say about my experience whatsoever yeah it, you'll be pleased to know uh, it's the same kind of th- concept with Axel, with all the yeah. people who I've interviewed, where right. there's they say nice things. Like I really, yeah. I, I don't. You listen to any of these podcast episodes, no one's really bashing Axel, and, right. and it's not like I'm searching for that or or they're trying right. to be defensive. It's these are all even with off air conversations. So it goes to show you what the media can do sometimes. Right. But uh, with that, because I don't want to keep you here 
forever. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I do want to ask, and something, it, when I read about it, because I don't know where I was when the, I guess, the event happened, and it was, I guess, one of the infamous nine shows at the Hard Rock, and mm. when you, uh, you broke the Stevie Ray Vaughan glass, and you took the, yeah, the yeah. guitar out, and, yeah. you know, it's interesting, and I immediately thought about Axel reading how you felt about that how some people thought that was so rock and roll and so cool and you were so open and honest of being like no i had a manic episode on stage because yeah. i too people may be surprised i'm i'm gotten better but fueled by anger so anger is an, is an emotion i i do identify yeah. with and i've gone to therapy medication all that thankfully i'm a better place now but i guess how do you look at that moment now uh all these years later and do you look at something like when Axel, he's jumping off the stage attacking somebody where that story's been skewed. He was the guy taking pictures. He's like, get that guy. Get the St. Louis incident. Oh, he yeah. was elbowing fans, making his way down. So that was his only way of like defending fans. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean he was the right uh, way to <laughs> solve the issue. Yeah. But yeah. I, I kind of look at it that way as mental health or why he was late a lot of times. So yeah. I guess how do you, again, through your lens, your perception, not only do you, how do you feel about that episode of yours, and I appreciate how honest you've been, uh, or that, go back and read that article from Spin 2013 yeah. where you talk about it. But yeah, uh, yeah that, I know that's a no, big that, fatty question, but. Uh, well, I'll tell you, like, like that kind of goes, ties back into when I was talking about buddy had things and how, like, I don't think what got reported at the time, what people didn't realize was, one of the bands uh that we would another or talking about a lot of bands on there talking shit or gossip or whatever but uh one of those bands was limp biscuit at the time right and this show that that happened in austin was part of the south by southwest festival and we had kind of heard before but found out before our set that um there were people from the limp biscuit interscope whatever like uh crew or whatever that were going to show up and assault us or whatever it was right we got we got that all th with the acres line it was literally every fuck man that band was just a whirlwind of craziness uh but it was we were just physically threatened everywhere we went which we probably should have been though actually i thought this we was with shits. nine i thought that this happened. no no the stevie ray vaughn thing was with the acres oh line. my mistake uh, i apologize no yeah no, and it was uh so there were people up in the balcony that were with the Limp Biscuit Interscope that were throwing quarters and shit at me, right? Like, which is what kind of throwing stuff on stage and is what kind of uh, uh, set that off, right? And and, and there was the things going on behind the scenes where we had just finished like two months in Europe, and I'm in the the kind of European tour where you're doing like three weeks in Germany and it's just like fucking miserable or whatever, and our drummer was you know we had to, it was our last show the drummer knowing that we had to kick him out after the end of the show and it was i would what part of that too was maybe i was i was trying to start a problem that our manager was going to have to fix in a way too but there's a lot of things going on at once but it was like yeah like i uh i cracked in public yeah admittedly and uh yeah i uh but I didn't hurt any. I wasn't trying to. I didn't assault anybody, you know, mm -hmm. uh, any of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, it it wasn't the only time that I, you know, that's one of the things maybe that kind of bothers me 
is when there's this when people talk about me in a way that like yeah i was the, like i should have been in a straight jet or that i was just constantly fucking fighting people in the cr or like hurting people is a bummer right like the the worst thing that ever happened in nails was you know i got sued for over a million dollars this mm. guy said that i threw i that i attacked him with the mic stand right and i got sued it got settled out of court and funny on a side note by that time in nails i had the same lawyer as guns and uh, you know peter paterno was my lawyer the guy who got me out of all that trouble was peter fuckum paterno uh which was funny but like hmm, interesting uh but the the incident wasn't funny it the, someone did get hurt which is fucked up and terrible you know uh but it was an accident and uh but the fact that it got what wasn't cool was they came after me saying that i did it on purpose and that was the way that it got reported or that it was uh seen by a lot of, that i was just uh the, the idea that i would want to hurt people in the audience or hurt people that is absurd people and just want sad. money they just don't they, they look at an opportunity right? and then they and if they look up on your history and they see anything yeah. mental health related it's just right. oh he's crazy which is what it's so like yeah awful not to make it story too or my story even more confusing but yeah like it was like when we had to go to court against the person saying that i did this stuff or all this stuff that wasn't true on purpose yeah they were bringing up things yeah for example there was another there was a girl who sued me in the icarus line when we were on tour with uh, a perfect circle that said that i threw a bottle a water bottle out and that it made her slip and break her neck and all the shit and it was so it was like when when this incident when nails came up yeah they were bringing up all these mm. other even lawsuits that were totally ridiculous and you know so i i see both sides to it i'm not, and i'm not saying that i don't have uh a hand or you know that i'm not uh guilty of bad decision making whatsoever or anything like that you know like i I probably wouldn't do a lot of those things the same way twice, but uh, it was a bummer that I was made out to be this kind of, and to this day, that I'm this kind of cartoon character, that I, or, or that I'm this like crazy fucking uh, mentally ill person who you know s sleeps in the gutter in a straitjacket. I don't know what the fuck. Who I don't give a fuck what people think about. They can think whatever they want, but uh, that was disappointing, I guess. You know, or that that had anything to do with why I don't play with nails anymore or the acre sign or whatever the fuck it is right it's like now the the reason i don't play with any of those bands anymore is because i i don't i didn't want to anymore you know i didn't want to do what i was doing and uh you know i i've been playing in bands and touring all that kind of from the age of 14 to you know through nail like all that it was the only thing i did you know i didn't i didn't know how to do anything else and uh and i just didn't want to do that stuff anymore or i wanted to see what life was like not on tour all the time or in a rehearsal room or in a recording studio and that kind of thing you know it's like uh i hear uh, it's a lot like yeah. you know you look a little right. like izzy stradlin so right. i mean it's absolutely a little, so it's like so i get it but no i wish right like again <laughs> like comparing me to someone like uh izzy would yeah that's but yeah, the, but it's the, that same mindset where you know why would you leave this successful operation and right from the outside looking in how fans perceive it, but we're all people and you're dealing with different issues and lawsuits. Which this yeah. part of it reminds me of Axel, where 
you know, he's not throwing microphones into the crowd to try to hurt people, yeah. but then people just yeah. sue them anyway, sue him anyway. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it is yeah, a bit I, absurd. And I, and I understand the like the where there's smoke, there's fire, type uh, uh, of uh, conversation. But like, yeah, like I um, doesn't mean it's true. That's right. that's that doesn't mean it's true. And and most people like honestly, it, the thing that kind of was not disappointing but interesting was that when people talked about me being crazy or whatever most of the time most of that stuff came from the fact that i didn't want to be in certain bands or said no because other bands asked me to join that maybe people thought were cool opportunities that i said no to and that just seemed crazy that like how would you not want to be in a fucking huge band it's like is is where a lot of that crazy you know aaron's crazy because he doesn't want to tour the world and or or whatever the fuck that you know like that's uh interesting but uh yeah no, uh, you, that, you've that been there it. done that and that's not so oh, and I, 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 yeah and i don't have any i don't it's not like i wouldn't ever want to play music or tour uh again but it's just like yeah at the time no no i was just i just yeah i needed a i needed a i needed to do this i get and, it yeah that's i i i see the and I absolutely uh, recognize the similarities with, with people like Izzy and that kind of thing. And uh, I, I guess I can relate in that way, I guess. Well, you see it a lot in musicians now where some may be critical of, again, still mental health. But I think it was uh, Miley Cyrus who recently, like, why she doesn't tour because it's mental health and then the reasons. Yeah. and Because and it, it is a lot to do, but as a fan like why wouldn't you want to tour the world with all these adoring fans it doesn't translate like yeah. that to, to everybody so i think you represent what a lot of musicians and i think a lot what a lot of people go through you know trying not to fit in a box where other people want you to fit in and trying to find yourself with what makes you comfortable what makes you happy and that doesn't yeah. always align with what other people want yeah I, yeah I, yeah i doesn't mean yeah like people want to read into it what they want to read it yeah just it's because i don't play in those like people assume that no that means i hate everyone or if i don't play with this or do that or the other it means i fucking hate rock and roll or i don't want it's like that's it's nothing like that whatsoever i just uh hey people sw- thought paris jackson hated her father because she didn't publicly wish michael jackson a happy birthday wished right, her yeah. like death threats yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in, insane. I, I just want to mention one thing really quickly and then we'll wrap up. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you mentioned uh, Peter Paterno. I would never bring this yeah. up unless somebody else brought up the uh, the famed uh, lawyer. I've never met him, but I was working on a book with former Guns N' Roses manager Doug Goldstein. And, right it, and it was shaping up pretty well. Uh, yeah. We went to a, a literary agency too early and I told him that. Like, we still have so much work to do. That, yeah guy the the agency didn't like him working with me because i'm a radio guy i'm not a true author whatever that means okay yeah uh and doug did not want to go to another agency because this guy is boys with peter paterno and he only wanted to work with peter paterno yeah and i was like okay you want to choose peter paterno over me I, i i goodbye we've been working on this for two three years I, I don't need this. Goodbye. Just so like with you, why wouldn't you want to do that? I yeah. mental health decision. All right. Yeah. Get get, get away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that being yeah. that means because it's sorry. I, I I was slowly but surely bringing up stories from this book, Excapade, when it comes up so, during interviews. So where so 
what is the where is the book now like what on my hard like, drive it's it's not finished by any means it's close to 200 pages but yeah. i mean we had so much to do i mean i was just trying to pull stories out of them for the longest yeah. time and trying to shape that into something coherent yeah. and it was and then cutting that out and cutting because there are a lot of things that you want to cut out because he's just telling the same stories over and over again sometimes so I had a nice solid 200 pages and shaping it up into chapters where we're going to go he's like oh we should be getting paid for this okay sure let's get paid for this and just the way I mean I'm a radio guy uh, the way the book world works is like you send them a chapter and then a few weeks later you send them another chapter and it's I'm writing them like a synopsis and I'm writing them a sales report doing all these things I've never done before but I'm still, you know, I've graduated college. I have a degree in journalism, broadcast journalism. I'm not, a, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. But this guy just wanted to work with a real author. And Doug only wanted to work with a guy who works with Peter Paterno, that Guns N' Roses old lawyer. He's like, this is the guy that would help us. Well, he's not. he can help you now. He's, I, I'm going to fo- go back onto the podcast. That's what I'm going to start doing you again. You know what? Like, but fuck him, dude. Like, it, like... <laughs> Don't yeah. Don't let anybody. That uh, it affected me for a while. I was really no, questioning it, it myself. Good. Like it really like you know maybe this is like this is coming from someone who grew up in LA. I've lived in Los Angeles my entire life, um, and have always felt to a degree is like an outsider from all that kind of stuff. And I will say that like whatever that fucking weird. It feels like. Uh, the powers that be that are like you know like because just because they don't want a bad look or whatever because they don't want their version of the thing to be out there and the way that people will try to squash that is fucked and stupid i know and and it's not and also it's not worth fucking worrying about you know because it's like it, it but i can see how the, people will make it feel like they're how they're able to make things feel like that they're this big monster and that you should be scared or you should have to take into account what they're but you know what fuck them man like and i've had to sign you know all the stuff that i talked about today with you or i should legally probably be able to get sued because i had to sign non-disclosure you know what fuck all that shit it's like fucking sue me what are you gonna what are you gonna take you know it's like uh if that's something that you want to do and if anyone's gonna write a fucking good Guns N' Roses book or have something it would be you clearly because fuck writers or who, like it, people tell them that the idea that someone could tell you that you're not a good enough or what you are like fuck that man. well I appreciate like, yeah. you saying that because it's absurd because it's all about like I don't see enough character building and what did I do today within this interview I character built and it's just, it's the same thing but yeah. they probably wanted a, a cookie cutter author who does things by the book A, B, C, D and no. I'm just I, I do play ball but I'm just not that that well, guy the other, aren't there enough there's a million other books that are already out there that are written by so-and-so like who the fuck wants to read that shit i know, you know? like no nah, man you gotta do you gotta i'm gonna be upset if i don't i don't hear about that uh you doing something with that because you you have to man you have to like we'll see yeah. i don't know like oh well, i have to know if i mean if there are his stories like could i get sued no well maybe but like why that's such a fucking bad look that like 
Like, I want Guns N' Roses to sue me. That would be funny because they would sue, like, the... Because I, I, I know you can't I, tell. I have a physical disability. But, like, the handicapped person with a baby. Yeah, sue me. I would love for that to happen. No, that's exactly right. It's like, that's like, like fuck them. Like, that's what... Like, fuck them. You know, it's like, it's like, same thing with me. We're just like, yeah, like, it's funny in a way, too, where it's like, yeah, if people wanted to get upset about what I was saying, at the end of the, it would, if they wanted to come after me, it's like, what are they going to do? Like, fucking pick on the guy, the who the the uh fucking press or whoever is this mentally ill crazy person they're not gonna fucking it'll make them look like bullies right so yeah it's like now yeah, they're not yeah. it's they just want to scare they they throw their weight around and scare you in ways and scare people and that stuff sucks that's a bummer you know like no don't dude, fuck them well <laughs> I, I i appreciate that and that's why you know i i'm lucky enough this is because this podcast is just a labor of love that i do work in radio but this is labor of love has just been uh one of the best things in my career to happen because i get to continually have conversations with people like you nice. and yes. and to find out all through my six degrees of gnr bacon find out about these people and that they're yeah. more than these just the stories that you hear that you think yeah. that you know there's a lot more to them so with that just being said we'll wrap up here what are you doing now because I read that you were doing comedy. Are you working on anything now? Uh, I guess um, how how's Aaron today? <laughs> always, uh, I you know, uh, messing around with some music stuff here and there. But like, yeah, doing stand up and stuff like that, which is fun. You know, it's it kind of quenches whatever um, you know part of me wants to get on stage and perform. I guess you know, it's because it's thinking on your feet and that kind of stuff. How often do you uh, perform? Uh pretty often you know like it's uh part of that's just living in la um it's there's on any given night there's 30 different stand-up shows you know in town which is cool you know because it's like uh there really is some a lot of exciting cool inspiring stuff happening with stand-up that uh makes it fun for me you know it's like and i'm not yeah i'm not a approaching it in any kind of careerist way i just like doing it you know so it's, one of my brothers does that every he hasn't done it in yeah. a while but like he's done a handful of stand-up performances just to do it you know yeah, it was no yeah. career path so uh yeah. i respect that and wow i mean what a that, what a hard you picked like the two hardest careers you know <laughs> to make it as a musician and make it as stand-up comedy but uh well, you know you're doing what you love and that's that's what matters if you ever yeah. perform out here in new york i mean i would love to love to see right you on. Right any on, any right nine on. inch nails jokes in the uh, on the set or no? <laughs> you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't. Any really music talk jokes? About, I don't really talk no. about music that much. Okay. Maybe like, uh, yeah, maybe because it's a little too on the nose or something. Sure. But it's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Mostly talk about like I have a parrot. I have a bird. You know, talk about my bird or nice weird <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Okay, I love it. So if you want to keep up to date with, I mean, you don't really update it, though, your Instagram. I know fans well, can reach you. Here and there, sometimes, you know, like, but yeah, I, I'll always trying, you know. Yeah, I mean, Instagram, I'm, I'm sure I'll be updating it again sooner than later. But Well, yeah, you can search yeah. for Aaron North, which is uh, technically uh, generic underscore prescriptions. Which yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, if you want a little uh, prescription, you want some, or you know, so advice, yeah. just check out uh, Aaron on uh, an Instagram. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this and spending some time with me. We probably went a little, little OT. Yes, but yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, 
feel free. Like I like that you you know what you're doing. So yeah, and post just just cut out all the stuff where I oh, no. where, where I ramble nonsensically or uh, or, or whatever. And uh, no, I'm, like, I, yeah. I mean that as far as just respectful of your time. Uh, that's the beauty of podcast. People can stop and start whenever they want. I treat I treat yeah. it like a live show because I think that yeah. just, that's the vibe I want. But yeah, people could stop and start and watch or just listen when they're yeah. jogging, however they they want to do it. So hopefully they yeah. all enjoyed this uh, little conversation today. It's cool. Yeah, C- congratulations on 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 what you're doing and everything. And yeah, Thank you. don't yeah whether it's a podcast or or books or anything. Yeah, don't let anybody else dictate uh, what you're doing or how you're gonna do it. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And so next episode, which one of the things I do love doing, I'm probably going to have to get a few listeners on at the same time. I've been doing fan reviews. So right. it gives them an outlet. They just saw Guns N' Roses. They have pictures to share. They have videos to share. They want to talk about it. I give them an outlet on this podcast. But uh, being the dad of a four-month-old, I just needed some sleep to catch up on for the longest yeah, time. That, so I'm a little, be- I'm a little behind uh, with that. So that'll probably be the next episode of Appetite for Distortion. But right. when will you see it? You'll appreciate my tagline, uh, Aaron. Uh, well, when, when will you see it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! No! Yeah! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.